0: all right welcome ladies and gentlemen to the we're having a good time podcast my name is dusty slay and i am your host and i'm here with my wife and co-host hannah hogan how do you do Let's start off with some very exciting news here. Um, I did not tell Hannah that we were going to talk about this, but yesterday, a lot of you may know that Hannah was born in Canada. (laughs) And in um, 2015, Hannah moved to the United States on a work visa. She moved down here. Uh, she uh, She was not allowed to do other work other than acting or comedy so i was living in a house with four other dudes it was a six-bedroom house hannah rented one of the rooms i rented another and we lived there with five other dudes we call that house the rat house uh it was pretty cheap but i was not making very much money at all in comedy so i was like i need you to be working uh you have to work So Hannah started working the road, and Hannah was burning up the road out here, driving all over the country. Uh, You know, she moved from Toronto, the biggest city in Canada, to Nashville, uh, which Nashville is a great city. But she started working small rooms in small towns all across the country, and along about two thousand seventeen, we get married, and and then in two thousand eighteen. Things really start to take off for me in comedy, and Hannah confesses that she is pretty tired of doing comedy. So I say, hey, don't do it. That that was 2019. That was 2019. Mm -hmm. 2018,
1: your comedy did start to kick off, but I didn't quit until 2019 in in May.
0: And um, all that to say, uh, Hannah has gone through a lengthy process of... Getting a work visa and convincing the federal government that she, her her work is worthy of being done in the United States, that she is a, what do they call it? Uh, An
1: extraordinary citizen. All right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that, it's extraordinary something.
0: So, and then she got a green card. Mm-hmm. Um, after we got married, she was able to apply for a green card. I got a
1: temporary green card through marriage. So I got it for two years. And then I got to apply for the ten year.
0: Well, yesterday Hannah took her test to become a U.S. citizen, and she passed. USA, USA. All right. So, so welcome, Hannah. Thank she you. She is. Uh, she. There's still a ceremony to take place, so I don't think she has any official certificate yet. But mm-hmm. she did pass the test,
1: and I feel American.
0: Yeah. And we changed her last name. She had been Hannah Hogan, and I will still be introducing her as Hannah Hogan on this podcast. But her last name is now officially Hannah Slay.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I I don't know if it is officially though, because every every other document other than my citizenship says Hogan still.
0: Yeah. So, so it'll be
1: more official when I get to that fifty fifty mark, or.
0: Yeah, we got to get you know we got to get some stuff changed. But, yeah, so that's uh, big news. Well, I've been asking
1: you, and you keep saying it doesn't change anything, but I, I said, you know, like, does it make you feel different about me now that I'm an American?
0: No. Yeah, no, I've been telling you that thing. And now it doesn't feel – I'm very excited for you. I mean, you no longer have to deal with immigration stuff. You're official citizen now. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, and we have you know also officially reached uh 37 weeks of pregnancy which uh, yes. Hannah says is full term praise god so um the baby could come at any time now yeah. it's due June 15th due June 15th but it could come at any time now
1: yeah i mean it could have came before too but and and it, and it most likely Hopefully would have been fine, but you know, no one wants to have a premature baby. I mean, now that I'm at 37 weeks, it's not considered premature.
0: I had two nephews born premature. Yeah, I know. One, uh, I was 10 years old when he was born and born, he was born significantly premature. I think he weighed two pounds and we lived in Opelika at the time. He had to be shipped up to either Birmingham or Montgomery. I don't know exactly which one to a bigger hospital where they had him in an incubator tank. Uh, And now he's, you know, 30 years old, has a baby of his own and a wife, and now he's officially a new homeowner down in Cleveland, Tennessee. So it's all good. All good news here, except for the fact that yesterday, two days ago, matter of fact, I went and bought us a couple of new phones. I I had a fairly old phone. Hannah's was cracked, or so we believed. And so we went ahead and just updated them both. Um, and then when we traded in Hannah's phone, we took off the case and realized that for well over a year, uh, we've been believing that Hannah's phone was cracked and it was not It was just the cover that we had over the phone that was cracked. The actual glass was not cracked and that was mind blowing to me, but we got a nice trade in for it um, and we got new phones. But now I can't. For some reason, I did the transfer on Hannah's phone very easy. F- for some reason, my phone will not transfer the data. It will not back up to my computer. I'm going to have to go down to the Apple store here after the podcast and try to get that worked out. You know, all, you know, uh, it's all fine, but it's annoying. I just went back down to the Apple store today to try to get the guy to do it, and the guy couldn't do it, and I did not get frustrated with him. I didn't yell at him. I've really mellowed out, and... Um, I went to shake his hand at the end, though, and he gave me the fist bump thing, and normally I feel like you kind of relent to the, if the customer especially has stuck their hand out and you do the fist bump, you go, oh, okay, I'll do handshake, but he really stuck it out and made me do fist bump, and I lost everything for the guy in the moment. Did I you co-
1: complete the fist bump?
0: Yeah. mm but I lost everything for the guy. My whole I mean, I liked him. He told me he was a filmmaker. I, I was telling him I'd watch his film. And, and and it all went away for me in that moment. I was like, I don't know what it was. But it was like, first off, you couldn't fix my problem. I bought this phone from you. You can't fix the problem. And now you're like, you, you also can't shake my hand. I lost it. I didn't didn't lose anything in the store, but in my...
1: Well, I felt your energy. You you were a subtle huffy as you were walking out because he offered to open the door for us. And you're like, nah, that's all right. And I said, what's gone down?
0: Well, it's so annoying though. It's like, you're not going to shake. You've been, and Hannah made the point. It's like, if you're a germaphobe, you've just been handling two phones that I handle all the time. And then now you're willing to get the door for me And today, uh, I gave the guy a muffin yesterday or two days ago. Whoa. Now, to be fair, I went into the Panera Bread over there, and a lady recognized me and seemed to really like my comedy. So she gave me uh, my hot tea and two muffins. Wow. Now, I was going to buy the guy the muffin, but uh, she gave it to me.
1: You were going to just out of nowhere buy your AT&T salesman a muffin?
0: Well, he was helping me. And I had to use the bathroom, but they, were, they don't have a bathroom for customers in there. So I walked over to the Panera Bread and I just thought, I'm going to get myself a muffin and I'm going to be sitting in there eating it. I'll go ahead and get him one too.
1: You know, I'm sorry. This sounds like a very toxic relationship Yeah, that you developed with this, with this man.
0: Well, that's how long we were sitting together trying to buy two phones.
1: But it's like he sells you a product, doesn't work. And then he doesn't have any bathroom facilities to help you while you're waiting. And then you are so kind hearted and maybe codependent that you went and bought him a muffin, even though he wasn't being helpful to you.
0: Well, well, you're seeing it wrong, though. On the day that I bought him the muffin, he was being helpful to me. Yeah, now, but that's
1: it, what happens if you get too close with your salespeople, because then when they're not good, in the end, you you you, you don't know what what to do because you've developed a well an intimacy.
0: I lost nothing here. The muffin was free for me. Okay, so I'm
1: sorry he did that to you. Well, I had half a mind to go down there, and talk to him myself, and say, like, "Listen, we don't do this in my country, America."
0: It's yeah, it's just the handshake thing, really. It's like. Now, granted, had he been able to fix my problem, but he was like, I'm really not a handshake guy. Yeah. Fine. Fine. You're, you're, you're able to do your job well. So it's okay if you don't want to shake my hand because you're, you're so good at your job that, you know what, you get to make a few of your own rules here. Mm -hmm. But if you can't fix the problem and you can't shake a hand, I don't even think you need to work here. (sighs) Yeah. This you know is a crazy I mean? country, man. <laughs> but, um, you know, so it's fine. I got an appointment at the Apple store today, so I'm no, going to go.
1: Dusty, honey, it's not fine. It's not okay.
0: Well, listen, in life, it's fine.
1: Yeah, but in it's this- not right that he got you running all over this this town just to get a phone
0: well it's not right but i don't know what's going on with the phone i can't back it up i can't so something's happened in there well i know
1: what's happened you've downloaded too many tiktok conspiracy videos and it's clogging up your software
0: well i don't think that has anything to do with the software but it's um and plus all those videos are gone i i removed those yesterday oh okay that's what i've been working on clearing the phone up so there's no reason for it and but it's fine at the end of the day my life goes on
1: well it made me think you said that the lady at Panera recognized you and my immigration officer also was familiar with what quote he said your comedy story all right and so i might have got got into this country just out of your um out of your infamy
0: well who knows you know who knows being
1: married to an influencer
0: yeah well i hope so i hope you know i know you also passed the test though too because i've been quizzing you Yep. And so, and we had a lawyer go down there with you. So mm-hmm. we, we, were, we, we, we were coming ready. All right. Um, but this weekend, but I'm taking time off now because I've, uh, now we'll be doing some spots at the Opry, probably some spots at Zaney's around town. But I, um, I'm taking time off the road to have the baby. Uh, so that's very exciting. We still don't have a name. We have some ideas. Yeah, uh, give us some suggestions. Well, I like the name Jesse. I like that name, but for some reason, I can't pull the trigger on it to say, go with Jesse. And my dad, my dad's middle name is Richard. My dad goes by Richard. My middle name is Richard, right? But that's as far as it goes with the the name Richard being passed down.
1: Well, that's not exactly true. Because we know about your family tree, the very first
0: man of the sleigh lineage arrived and his name was Richard. Not when he, not arrived. Someone uh, traced the family history back. And, uh, you know, I don't know any way to verify this, but this is something I read one day and thought it was pretty cool. But they traced the sleighs all the way back to England. Now, what uh, the story is, from what I've been told from various relatives, is that a, a father and son with the last name Slay came over on one of the first ships in the early, maybe even the 1600s on like uh, the Nina Pinta Santa Maria, yeah, one of those ships. Mm-hmm. And they went into Massachusetts and that's where the first slaves came in before this was even a country. Uh, my relatives were here. But if you trace it on back as they did on into England, the farthest, now the the name was spelled like S-L-E-Y, I think at the time. Uh, Or maybe even S-L-E-I-G-H. I I think that was it. Um, But the very first one was Richard. And And so there you go. And we thought that was pretty interesting. But I don't know that I want to give my son the name Richard. And not for any reason. Not because I'm like, I don't want to name him after my dad. But I just, I've carried the name Richard my whole life. It's done nothing for me. I don't even think about it. It means nothing to me. Uh, other than that it is my dad's name, but I just feel like there's so many other great things. I'm carrying on my dad's name by passing on his last name. Um, And you're
1: carrying on your family honor, not by your name, but by the way you live and what you do and who you are.
0: Exactly. So I'm just not, I don't think that I want to go that way.
1: And we're already giving your dad our son his last name, we're already, right, already going to carry yeah. the sleigh on.
0: And then Hannah likes the middle name Jacob. She likes the name Jacob, but also her brother's name is Jacob. Um, and I, I don't mind that idea, but I just don't know that I like the name Jesse Jacob.
1: You also said you don't like what Jacob means in Hebrew. Yeah. Because I think it means he who wrestles with God. And you're like, I don't know if I want to put that on my son. Yeah to be somebody that wrestles with God. And to be honest with you, my brother kind of wrestles
0: with God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so,
1: but I love my brother, so I would love to name him after that. But I have told him, dear listeners, that you know this is Dusty's son, and I always pick the names, but then I give them to Dusty, like with Daisy and now with this one, and say, you can have a final say.
0: But Jesse is the one that I, I, I found and came up with, and I do like it. Uh, what we liked was the name Duke. Duke was the name we liked. Mm. But then we realized that we had named our daughter Daisy. And so our kids would be Daisy and Duke. And I don't even really think anybody knows about Dukes of Hazard anymore. But Daisy Duke has transcended that in that their songs, uh, the shorts, um, even the character herself. Um, so I don't think I wanna do that And then um, we also had the name Bear as an idea. I like the name Bear, but I'm on the Nate Land podcast and everybody says, hey, Bear. And I just feel like that it would seem like I've named my son after the podcast. Uh, It's a lot of pressure with naming a son. I feel like Daisy's name came easy. We liked it. We were like, we love that. Let's do it. But this has given me more trouble. Um,
1: Well, I'll say this and then I have to do some pregnancy things, but- um, You tell me you don't remember saying this to me about five months ago, but when I was pitching you names like Duke, you said, I don't like one-syllable names, I like a two-syllable name, and then I thought, oh, okay, well, that really changes everything when I'm looking at names and then I mentioned that to you maybe a month and a half ago and you're like I never said that I don't I mind I don't mind a one syllable name and I said listen dude I did not make that up you I said I still it. don't remember but do you stand by it or you're okay with a one syllable I
0: don't yeah I don't I stand I don't care about a one syllable name wow that's crazy I mean maybe we were arguing and you brought it up yeah, I don't
1: know maybe it was the energy
0: yeah OK, but well. so that's where we're at. I mean, we are looking for uh, names for the baby and I'm not asking people to tell me names, but, you know, I am into the idea. I like Jesse, um, you know, um, but, I, you know, I'm just I'm, I'm torn with it. You know, I don't feel any pressure. I don't feel like I'm like, oh, I got to get this. I got to get this. I mean, you know, even my neighbor said they were in the hospital, had already had their baby before they decided on the name. They wanted to wait to see the baby to decide what to name it. And maybe that's what I'll do. I don't have any pressure. About, I don't feel any pressure about it. Um, you know, um, I don't want to go weird with the name. You know, but I don't want to go super common either. And I know that Jesse is fairly common, but there's not a ton of Jesse's out there. So, you know, um, but I just want to, I don't know. I'm just kind of out of place with it, but I feel good. Uh, everything is good we've We've got lots of good news. Uh, so it's exciting i've I filmed the special. I've seen some cuts of the special. I've been able to watch them. I'm going through a process of right now between the two shows, figuring out what clips I want to use from each show and just trying to curate the best of the two shows to to because you know, frankly, I love the idea of going out doing one show filming it and being like that's the special but since I've filmed two I thought well why uh, why not just make sure I've got the best of, of every joke uh, to present to the audience uh, for my very first one hour special and I do feel very excited about this this does feel like my first special I know that I've, I've released two albums making that fudge and son of a ditch and I have filmed a half hour netflix special uh but this one feels like mine so i'm excited i'm going through the process and it just it feels good we, me and hannah got to watch a a rough cut uh yesterday and you know i got to hear hannah laugh a lot as we're watching it and um uh and it felt like good authentic laughter and um and uh, so it's very exciting and we feel good.
1: It's great and it did make me laugh and you know I used to obviously watch lots of Dusty's comedy because we would do it together and I was a comedian and that was the life we were living but um you know since we've had Daisy I, I just don't see a lot of his comedy I mean he leaves on the weekend and then I don't know what he does. He tells me he does comedy, but I don't know but um, watching this special, and seeing proof of pictures that he went to Knoxville and shot a special. um, Well, confirms to me that he has indeed continued to be a comedian and uh, you know, you've also developed as a comedian and, and, and your stories and the way you do it is all really cool and really fun to see.
0: Yeah, it feels good. I mean, I'm excited about it and um, you know, looking to be released in the fall. A lot of people ask, what platform will it be on? Well, I don't know yet. I'm sure my management and team will want to sell it to some platform. Uh, personally, what I'm working to do right now is build my YouTube. I'm at about 70,000 followers. I'd like to be up to 100,000 by the time we release. And I'd like to put it straight to YouTube. Um, I won't complain if a bigger platform wants to pick it up, but I like the idea of, of a straight to the consumer type thing where it's just right out there to you. You don't have to have a, uh, um, a platform in order to get it. And then I can cut up all the clips and, you know, post on all my social medias. Uh, it's very exciting. I love it. This past weekend I was in Virginia beach. Now I don't, mean to say negative things about the club, okay? Because I I enjoy, I was at the Funny Bone, I enjoy the Funny Bones, the improvs, all that. Uh, And when I first went to the Virginia Beach uh, Funny Bone, it was 2015, Hannah went with me and uh, I was opening for a comic I had never heard of called John Morgan. And I was looking at his pictures and he looked a little bit like a comic I know named Monty Mitchell. Uh, So I was pretty excited by it. And, uh, you know, I couldn't wait to go there. And then this guy took the stage, a guy I had never heard of, and he blew my mind. He blew Hannah's mind. Uh, he, I've never been the same. He crushed. He got a standing ovation every show that weekend. We did six shows together. He got six standing ovations. And after the first night, me and Hannah went back to the comedy condo, and we were like, we got to look this guy up. (laughs) And we couldn't find anything on him. I don't think he has a special. I don't think he has an album. He has some social media, but not a lot.
1: I think we heard that his wife, uh, just a regular lady, won the lottery.
0: Yeah. So he was
1: just kind of hanging out doing comedy.
0: I would love to interview him for the podcast. Um, I don't know how I'll do it, but I'd love to do it because I think that'd be a great interview. Um, but he's just, he was so funny. And so that was the last time I'd been to this club and I loved the club. And I went back this time and they just had some stuff going on. The air conditioner was not working. Now the air conditioner worked in the lobby. So it was very cool in there. And then in the showroom, the air conditioner was broken. So it was hot. I'm not a sweater. I don't really sweat a lot. And I'm on stage and I could feel sweat dripping down my back. Mm. And typically, I feel like you want a showroom to be cold. You want it to be really cold because people laugh better in the cold than in the heat. I mean, there were people in the audience fanning themselves, Um Like I did, when I did Montreal for the first time, just for laughs, we had two showcases. The first showcase was in a giant theater. It was incredible. I mean, I had the show of my life in a lot of ways. And then the next show we did was in a small theater with no air conditioner in Montreal in August. Uh, And you would think Montreal, probably not that hot, but it was so hot, so humid. And I'm doing virtually the same jokes for a different audience almost getting no laughs because it was just so hot. All of us bombed in there that night. Mm -hmm. It was so hot. And then um, that's what the heat does. Now, I didn't bomb this weekend. I had three shows. They were good. All the shows were good. The staff was nice to me. Um, But, yeah, it was just hot. And then on the last show Saturday, we had a lot of rowdy people. But I felt like the rowdy people were regulars. I don't know why I felt like that. But just nobody was like making them be quiet. So I was just kind of like, all right, maybe this just happens. But it was also really fun to me because I knew I was about to take a break. And I had uh, just been working on an hour up until last week. So I was free of those jokes. So this allowed me to just really play around a bit. I, I just hate it when a, when, a, when a club lets it get rowdy. And the only reason I hate it, not for me. I mean, I could stand up there for an hour and just BS around. I love doing that. It's not a big deal to me. But I want, when people pay money to come see me, I want them to get the best possible experience. And when I feel like they're not getting that experience because someone keeps yelling out or because the room's hot Uh, you know, as I really hate it because I'm like, I want, you paid money. You paid money to see me. You bought, you bought tickets. You got a babysitter. You, 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 you paid gas money. You bought drinks. You bought food. I want you to get the best possible show.
1: Yeah. They're the voiceless victims in that situation.
0: Yeah. And, um, so, uh, so that's what we did this weekend, um, You know, and well, how
1: does it feel? You know, because I remember a month or so ago you were saying it's ramping up and it was ramping up to Knoxville. And now in terms of comedy, it's kind of ramping down because we're taking some time off to welcome our son into the world. And so where are you at? Are you tired? Do you feel good. Do you feel accomplished?
0: I'm yawning as you're asking me the question. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do feel good. I feel like, yeah, I mean, it's like the the last weekend in Virginia beach really hammered home how tired I was because I was like, you know, I, I I just felt like, all right, I got a few days to rest between that and the special. And then I'm right back out there. And it just feels like so much went into getting us to this point that it, it felt like that was the end. So to do the extra weekend on top of that. Felt like a lot, but I do feel good. Uh, it feels like, a, you know, like, like, you know, all the ramping up because it, it, before I added all these dates, cause I added a bunch of dates so that I could practice the special. And then I said to myself, I don't know why I've added all these dates. I already know what I'm going to do. I got it down. The set is good, but I, you know, I sent it to a couple of friends and they gave me some ideas and some pointers And I shifted some stuff around and it's like all of those shows um, really made me rethink a lot of things. And I think in the best ways, I shifted something that had been my closer for months, a year even. I moved it to the middle of the set. And I feel great about it.
1: And what a big change that is for me too. I mean, because I didn't see it before you shifted your closers, but when I saw that when you did it, I thought, yeah, yeah, that's great,
0: and and so yeah, it just feels good. I I feel great about it, you know. And also, I have some, I had some emails that I wanted to read, but because my phone is just incapacitated, uh, I don't know if that's the word, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: I don't know, I, I don't have them. But do send them. I appreciate them. Um, I haven't been out to the land since. I mean, I did plant some corn out there. Um, but I haven't been able to see it. I may go to Alabama tomorrow to visit my mom, try to help her. She's My mom's looking to sell her house. My sister bought a house in Cleveland, Tennessee, and my mom's going to move in with my sister. And then I'm going to try to get my mom a small cabin. Um, or She can even stay at the one we have out there for some time, but I want to get her her own little small cabin out there so that she has her own space so she can go out to the land, and just hang out, because McMinnville's an hour and a half from Cleveland, hour and a half from Nashville. So very exciting stuff. I mean, so I'm going to go down there and give it a last push. Um, You know, it it almost is sentimental to me in a sense, because I just think about my mom's house, and it's like, I did, we moved there when I was 14, and uh, from the trailer, and this was our, you know, this was our house to get out of the trailer park, Uh, something that at that time I was beginning to become very self-conscious about as I was getting on into high school and stuff that I was living in a trailer. And I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, I had such a good time in school, but I would never want to go back to school. The stuff that I felt self-conscious about when I was in school is just so minute and ridiculous in the real world. But when you're in school, that stuff matters. It's so wild. And, but I, I just, I've just been thinking about how, how much I partied at my mom's house. When I turned 16, 17, we really, me and my buddies really started to party at my mom's house. And then it just really started to grow, grow, grow until where it it went from, you know, me and a few friends just getting drunk at my mom's house to like a full on party in there.
1: Yeah. But your mom wasn't participating with you. She was working at night.
0: Right. My mom worked at night. It was a weird mix of things. My mom had gotten a new boyfriend and I was a little older. So she would spend a bit of time with him. And then my grandmother was getting sick, you know, and so my mom would spend a lot of time with her and my mom worked third shift. So she would just be gone a lot. And by the time I was like 17, 18. So, you know, I just had free reign there. And, you know, and I I had never, you know, I was pretty innocent of a kid up until, you know, up until I was not at about 17 years old. Mm -hmm. When I hit 17, a lot, I got into a lot of stuff. Uh, But up until that point, I was a real innocent little, I remember my buddy coming to visit me one time and me and him were going to go out to this party and he had weed (laughs) And he was, you know, and I I watched him smoke a joint alone before we went to the party. Because you weren't
1: participating. Right.
0: I didn't judge him, but I was like, I don't do drugs. There you go. And the world of things that was open to me at about 17, from 17 to 21, I saw a lot. Do you remember the first time you did do weed? Yes, I do. I remember I actually did it at a party at my house. I went out back and I was been drinking and some people were smoking and I just got in on it with them. Now, I don't recall getting high. I did. I smoked it several times before I and I didn't smoke cigarettes. Right. So I didn't even understand inhaling.
1: Yeah, I had a trouble with that. too. My
0: friends would be like, you want to puff it and then swallow And I was like, I don't, I, you know, and I just couldn't get it.
1: I had a guy teach me how to inhale. He goes, you know, you know, breathe it in and then open your mouth like you're scared and go, oh,
0: Oh. that's how
1: he told me to inhale.
0: Okay. That seems like a terrible way to do it, but a nice way to explain it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just to get the mechanism.
0: Yeah. So I didn't get it, but I do remember the first time I, I got high, I had, uh, after high school, A buddy was living with me named TJ now, and he had another friend that I also went to school with named Brandon. Brandon passed away, uh, but they were going to join the Marines together. They had already talked about how they're going to go in together and join the Marines. So Brandon came by the house to, to get TJ to go. And we all got high. I don't know if Brandon got high, TJ did, but I don't. I don't know why we did it or what, but we all did. And TJ didn't want to go to the Marines. And Brandon was there to give him that final push. And TJ was like, I'm not going. And TJ climbed up on the roof of my mom's house. And I went inside and I could hear the two of them yelling at each other about how they, he's like, I'm not going to go. And I was in my bathroom and I started laughing. Because I was listening to them argue with each other, and it was so funny that TJ was on the roof. That's how bad he didn't want to go. He's like, "I'm going to climb on the roof to get away from you." And I was like, oh, "Okay, I'm high now." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and it was great. Yeah, I mean, I used to. I had these people. They they moved from New York. It was a guy named uh, Ian. David and Ian had a girlfriend. I can't remember her name. I don't know why. David and that girl were both in my grade and the girl was in my class uh, and Ian was already out of high school. Um, and they moved down and the two of them were going to school. And I don't know how it worked because they all just lived together in an apartment. But two of them were going to high school uh, and they would sell weed and I would go over there and they would sell me weed for $5.00 and I would uh, go home uh, alone and do it and play uh, video games for a little while. I remember doing that. I had this uh, road rash or something. It was a motorcycle game. And I would just do a little weed and play that game. And it was so fun. Mm It was such a good time.
1: Yeah, weed used to be really recreational and now it's sort of like people can't live without it.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, you know, I just so many memories at my mom's house um, that think of thinking about her cleaning it out and moving out of there. I want my mom to get out of there, but it does make me sad a little bit. I mean, now that house hasn't been the same in a long time now. You know, my mom, uh, you know, uh, eventually lost that job that she had where she was working third shift. She's working at a factory that made VHS tape. So they went out of business. My grandmother passed away and her and that guy are no longer together. Um, so, you know, my mom came back and we, we started living at the house again, just like a normal, normal people. We got rid of all the people. There was no more parties, just living in a normal house again. And then, um, you know, well, uh, you
1: moved out, but then you got arrested.
0: Well, I had not moved out yet when I got arrested. I joined oh. the army still living at my mom's house oh, okay. and then I got arrested. And so I was figured I wasn't going into the army anymore. So that's when I moved out. I moved into the trailer, oh, okay. but then I moved into the trailer with another guy. And then I went to court after moving into the trailer and I lost my license for nine months. And so my buddy probably very wisely was like, I'm going to go ahead and move out. Uh-huh. because he don't want to drive me everywhere, I'm sure.
1: Oh, I thought that was the deal.
0: No, no, no. That he would drive
1: you everywhere if you let him live there. No, no.
0: That's another friend that I had move in after Oh, it. okay. But I had a-
1: A shadier fella.
0: A sh- much shadier fella. Yeah. My yeah. friend that moved out is, you know, he's married and has a couple of kids and is a, v- a great dude. He's yeah. uh, like, I see
1: the path, is <laughs> starting to go down with this yeah. underage drinking <laughs> charge and moving yeah. into a trailer. I'm going to go on and move on.
0: But, you know, that guy encouraged me to move out to that trailer and even helped me get it set up. Yeah. So I'm very thankful to him because yeah. um, I bought that trailer for a 1000 bucks and sold it for 2500 maybe 3500 I don't remember exactly. But
1: Was your mom sad when you moved out? I bet she was.
0: Yeah, she was sad when I moved out and then sad when I moved to Charleston. I mean, yeah. all my family was sad when I moved to Charleston. It's devastating in yeah. a way, mm-hmm. but I needed to do it. I had to move on with my life. I had to make a big change to, you know, I never would be, I never would be doing what I'm doing right now had I not left.
1: Well, it wasn't common for people in your family to leave. I mean, all your, your whole mom's side and your dad's side still living down there. And, you know, your sister moved up to Cleveland, but not until she was near 50. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, that's what happened, right? So, uh, so I moved out and then when I moved to Charleston, my sister and brother-in-law and their kids moved in with my mom. So, who now live in Cleveland? But it just became they brought two households together, and the house became they had the very kids. Yeah, and the house became very cluttered because they just had so much stuff that it was no longer the same fun party house that it used to be. And uh, I mean, it's got such a big, nice front porch on it, and it just—I really reminisce just on those carefree days. It was not so much the partying, but during the summer of like two thousand. Uh, when I, after high school, after I graduated high school, me and my buddies would just hang out there on the front porch, you know, smoking cigarettes, doing whatever, but just hanging out, watching people drive by. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have anywhere to go. We didn't have anywhere to be.
1: Were you dipping?
0: I I don't know if I was into dipping at that point. I got really into dipping in Charleston, Um, but You know, we're just living life, and it was just a real freedom. Shortly after I moved to Charleston, I read the book uh, On the Road, Jack Kerouac, I think, and it just makes me think about that sort of thing, just a real carefree, like, like no money, like no money. I don't know if I even had a bank account. But I definitely didn't have any money. We would scrape up money, you know, to go get weed. And I, I worked for a guy, the guy who would actually end up living with me and driving me uh, back and forth to work. The shadier guy, he had a lawn care service where he would cut people's grass. Um, you know, he just had a, a little. He had a, a list of clientele, and he would go and mow their grass. And I would go with him, and he would give me you know basically a pack of cigarettes we would smoke weed and he would buy me lunch and i didn't I, it was no money
1: that's a true friend
0: it was no money at yeah. all i was just going and doing it and just hanging we were just having a good time out there
1: you don't need money when you're when you're that young i mean if you got a crew you you're rich because the crew will pull it together and get the things you need to just have a good time
0: yeah well it's true and it's like there there is a freeing thing about that where it's like You know it's like i found that you know you i'll I'll make more money in life but i feel like the security it almost feels like there's less security like when i was even all my time in charleston i remember i dated this one girl for a little while her dad was a doctor and she said to me one time she goes doesn't it give you anxiety if your bank account gets below a thousand dollars and I remember laughing. I'm like, below. <laughs> <laughs> it's never above $1,000. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it might give me anxiety if I opened it and it was above $1,000.
1: Yeah, if I got Yeah, at that age, if I had $1,000 in my bank account, I'd be walking around with a pep in my step.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it was amazing. I mean, I, I stayed working at uh, the pesticide job a little longer on the year I quit because I knew they were going to give me a thousand dollar bonus check, and I was like, "I'm sticking around for that check. I'm not about to get out of here before that check comes in."
1: I mean, a thousand dollars is a lot of money when you're thinking about okay, like let's just say someone's rent in this city, Nashville, is maybe seven or eight hundred dollars if you're just like having roommates. Like that's, that's rent all of a sudden, right? So you can pay rent this month and now any other kind of income you normally have, you have that freed up. It's, it's a game changer.
0: I mean, it's like, for me, I was not always great at saving, but stuff like that, I get a bonus check. It would go right into the savings account every time. Like, so that's why I'm like, that's how I would build up my savings. I get a little extra money here and there. I I remember uh, getting some kind of stimulus check during the George Bush days, I don't remember what it was, some kind of 500 bucks right into the savings account. I mean, it was like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, it's supposed to be used for us to go shopping. They, they probably like, just
1: gave you some money because they're like, we know we screwed you over with the Patriot Act, so <laughs> yeah. here's some money here. Yeah,
0: probably so. But it's like, um, you know, and, and it's just like, so I just think about it. And I know a few of my friends are still living in town. I'd love to try to get a few of them together that used to hang out over there and just sit on my mom's front porch and just talk, just, just to have a few of those faces all together at one time, just hanging out on the porch, I think would just be pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. And I'm encouraging you to go down and help your mom. Obviously she's your mom, so you should help her, but it's hard for you to get down there. And, and, uh, but you know, this move for your mom is big and I know she wants to make it, but it's, It's probably very, very emotional for her. And so it's almost like a spiritual thing sometimes, I think, when you're moving or you're leaving a place. And um, I think it would be really, really helpful and in a lot of ways for you to just be there with her in this kind of step.
0: Yeah, I mean, my mom's been in Alabama her whole life, but she's been in Opelika for 40 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, she, you know, my mom was uh for a long time you know she she uh worked at this plant that a lot of people worked at she played softball she played bowling um i don't know if you play bowling she bowled um and then she also umpired for a little while she used to umpire softball so she was really up in the mix with a lot of things for a long time and um You know, she she's worked at various places in town. And and it's like, I just think about that. That's what I think about. It's like, I don't think my mom cares because she's a bit older now. So most of her family's gone. And I think her step great grandson is going to be moving up to Cleveland, too.
1: Well, I don't know. Every time we're down there, she got people popping by her house. I don't know anybody anywhere that has people just popping by their house these days, but your mom has
0: always got people just popping by. It's very much like a nineties vibe. It is where people are just coming by. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and that's why, you know, it is, uh, that's why I want to give my mom a spot where sure she's got my sister's house, but she's in a bedroom in their house. I'd like to give her a spot where she can just kind of go and, you know, piddle around a little bit Mm -hmm. is it piddle that we've decided that it is piddling puttering puttering well
1: that's what the person wrote in about was puttering Puttering? because i think i said dithering
0: dithering what's 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 puttering
1: puttering puttering is just dithering around (laughs) (laughs) puttering is when you're doing something that isn't like that isn't necessary but enjoyable so like building a little rock fence around a garden even if it doesn't need it or
0: you know putting a log up against a fence with some dirt
1: yeah you did that the other day
0: yeah yeah we talked about that though so people emailed in about that oh yeah yeah saying they like that
1: They like what?
0: Well, I don't know. I lost the email. I didn't lose it. It's still in there, but I don't have any access to my phone right now.
1: That's what happens when you have toxic relationships with AT&T guys. Yeah. 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 You get to losing things. Don't be handing out muffins out here.
0: But, you know, I want to say about Virginia Beach. When I landed in Virginia Beach, um, I had a bad vibe right away. I don't know what it is, but I just, I felt irritated. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I was walking around the town center and I was walking and there was this lady behind me who kept walking in the direction of me. Now I was just looking for the funny bone. I didn't know where it was at in in relation to my hotel. And so I was just kind of walking around. But every time I looked over my shoulder, that lady was back there walking behind me. And even to the point where I got lost a little bit walking around looking for the funny bone. I took a couple of roads and then I hear someone call my name and I turn around and it's a dude calling my name uh, and the lady is still behind me. I'm like, how are you going anywhere if you're following me? Because I'm lost. You know, like to get for that lady to get where I had gone, she went way out of her way. It was a quicker way to do it. So I don't know what was happening.
1: Well, did that irritate
0: you? Yeah. Or it confused you? It irritated me. Yeah. And then that, um, the dude, uh, worked, recognized me, uh, and, uh, name was Matt. Uh, and he, uh, worked at a pizza place, Benny's, and he offered me a piece of pizza. Did you get one? So I went over and ate pizza and had a drink. You're getting a lot of free food out here. dude. had a ginger ale.
1: Oh my gosh. And
0: it was great. And that really helped me. That guy really helped me because I was very irritated that day. I had walked over to the grocery store and I couldn't find anything that I wanted in this grocery store. I don't know that it was that they didn't have it or if I just was like in such an irritated mood that everything that I saw seemed unappealing to me, unappetizing. I got two gallons of water and a few other things, some bread, some cheese and some fruit, you know, just basic snacks while I'm at the hotel. And I walk at, and there was no crosswalks. There was no way to get across this big, busy street rather other than just run across it. The moment I walk out of the And the the bags in the grocery store, they had no plastic bags and all their paper bags had no handles. So I had to buy one of these tote bags.
1: One thing after another. Just
0: so I could get out of there. And then I'm walking and the moment I leave the store, uh, I drop one of the jugs of water on the ground and it busts open. I'm so irritated. I just kick it to the side. And then uh, I finally make it back to my hotel and everything's fine, but it's just like, it's one of those things, and it happens to me when I get tired. That's how I knew that I was really just tired of being on the road because I'm like, I just keep, I had been traveling every weekend a lot during the week, and I was just so tired. I was like, I cannot wait to get back home again.
1: But and, I feel like some of that has been brought home because you, now you've had all these problems with the phone, things are breaking down with the phone, and you, carelessly broke a glass beside our bed i did like those kinds of things have been just happening this week and so i do think it's some kind of spiritual thing where it's like you know god just wants you to slow down you know just have you had a minute have you had a day where you didn't do anything it's almost been non-stop issues you're dealing who with. who gets a day well, I don't give you one, but yeah. you got to take one.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: you got to take one. Yeah.
0: Who gets a day around here?
1: No, you don't get one. But I think you should get one. But you're not going to get one, but you should.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're just
1: going to keep breaking things, stub your toe or something.
0: Yeah. I mean, who gets a day? I mean, yeah, it's like I came home Sunday. And then on Monday, we had the Nate Land podcast where yeah. we filmed where we recorded two episodes, which is four hours of podcasting. And then I went to Zany's after and did new material Monday. It was not particularly a good set. I tried a bunch of new jokes and didn't go that well. Uh, I probably not had a set that bad in a long time. And uh, I mean, <laughs> I was fine. I was fine with it because it was new jokes. But I was like, Wow. Because I really made myself stick to it and go, you know what? I'm doing the jokes, and I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to do we're having a good time with a wave joke to give myself outs. I'm going to really work the joke, and I'm going to live and die by the joke here. And I died by it. Yeah. And, um, and then you hung
1: out with friends, talking to them, and then you came home, and I believe I wanted to talk to you.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: I, and I was demanding of you emotionally.
0: And, uh, yeah, so it's just been a, uh, it's been a wild time, but I do have a significant amount of time off, so it's, it's going to be good, but yeah, I mean, you know, if you're listening, say some prayers for us. I mean, maybe there is some type of spiritual oppression happening, but overall I feel good. I just feel like, yeah, I mean, it's like, I, I can't get my phone to back up to my computer. I can't get it to transfer and it's just a nuisance, but
1: yeah. But, you know, these these sorts of clouds come over me sometimes and then you just, you don't know what's brought it on, what you've done. But then, you know, typically for me, it'll lift after a day or two and you can almost just feel it like lift and you're just like, oh, what was going on there?
0: Yeah. Well, I could use it to lift, that's for sure. Okay. But I've been, you know, I got halfway through my special uh, uh, working on edits. So I only only got about... 20 minutes to go or so i got a little over halfway done last night so
1: yeah i mean because even when you you're taking time off comedy you know the ramp up here is we've done home renovations we've been putting in sheds we've been hiring electricians we've been potty training a child you know you've been installing uh light fixtures i mean it's just sort of like and there's always little bitty problems along the way with all those things
0: Yeah, I bought a new uh, light fixture for the hallway because the globe on the uh, light fixture was uh, real old. It had been here since we moved in. It just didn't look good. It looked all stained up. So I wanted to replace it. And man, it's like all that stuff. It's not hard, but it's tedious, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, Physically, it's not hard. I just cut off the breaker. I take the one out. I disconnect the wires, reconnect the new wires, hang it back up there. But it's always like nothing's just hanging just right. It's just like, but I eventually got it, and uh, it looks good. I'm very happy with it. Hannah's tired of me talking about the globe.
1: Yeah, well, because you just say the word globe and I never know what you're talking about. You're like, let's get a new globe.
0: Well, I had hoped that I could just get the new glass piece that goes over the light, but it was such an odd shape that they didn't sell a a globe to fit it.
1: Well, I remember we went into Lowe's because we love going to Lowe's.
0: I love to go. If we can
1: go to Lowe's every day, that's, I mean, our family is flourishing. Yes. And so we went to Lowe's and we wanted to get a globe as you say, and then you went in and spoke to one of the sales reps in the lightning department. But, um, you know, he uh, he didn't know what he was talking about. They're just hiring anybody out here now.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I sometimes I put a little bit too much pressure on a Lowe's worker where a guy just got a job and they're like, uh, hey, we're going to put you in the electrical department. And then I go in there and I expect the guy to be a certified electrician and i go in there with all my electrical questions and the guy's like i don't know man i had him so confused i was like is this like replacing a ceiling fan he goes he goes well we have some ceiling fans if you want and i go no no no. i mean like when you replace a ceiling fan is it going to be like that doing this he's he just wouldn't could not get it. well
1: that's because you underestimate the fact that a lot of people out here don't know how to do things around the house and you actually just do i had so even if you think what you know how to do around the house is basic you underestimate the fact that well first of all i don't know how to do it like when you're like it's not it's not hard it's tedious and then you explain what you had to do i'm like that sounds dang
0: hard to me i'll tell you what (laughs) i'll tell you what but once you say the word breaker i'm like i'm out i had some keys made and and the guy the guy guy recognized me and talked to me for a long time and he goes um He goes, now, if these keys don't work, just bring them back because they they only work about half the time. And then I got the keys back, and, and the ones that worked, he did the right way. The ones that didn't work, he did it on the wrong side of the key. And I'm like, "Well, that's why they're not working, oh, dude." God, what a travesty. I mean, it's like the keys are not working because you're doing them upside down.
1: You know, he's probably going home to his wife and night being like, "They need to fix the dang key maker." <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Making
1: me look bad on my job, honey, and she's like, "Yeah." Yeah. But she knows. It's I don't know if she does. Probably his fault.
0: Yeah, well, maybe she does.
1: Yeah, she's like, yeah, see how you fix things around here, too.
0: But the neighborhood here is really tidying up. Our our neighbor is really bringing his yard together. It's looking really good. Yeah. It's very exciting. Yeah. Um, There'll still be a bit going on here and there, but it's really coming together.
1: Well, it's still Tennessee.
0: Yeah. We're still in Tennessee, and we're on the cusp of urban and rural. But i just like to give that update because, you know, when we didn't know them, and now we do. When we didn't know them, we were really worried about what was about to happen. But now we've gotten to know them, and um, I feel good about it.
1: Yeah, they've got lots of children playing in the cul-de-sac. We've got baseball games going on. Although our neighbor did tell you you've got a terrible arm. He said, good thing you're funny because you can't throw worth dirt.
0: But he ain't out there throwing no and it also was a wiffle ball you know we're not throwing a real ball out here and i was not throwing that bad either
1: yeah it's like did you see the way the kids were throwing they weren't throwing good either dude. <laughs> yeah
0: i mean i'm not i'm not a major league pitcher out here but i i can throw a ball
1: yeah i, I didn't laugh and i didn't give him the kind of energy where i supported him saying it to no you.
0: no we don't do that kind of mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that get i see a lot of families that do it they get into this Kind of like cutting each other down type thing. Yeah. I don't support that. With my family, I don't like to I don't like to say jokes about my family that cuts them down. I don't do that to my daughter. I won't be doing it to my son. I don't do that stuff. I don't. Well, you don't like busting balls,
1: and Bobby Kelly knows that first and foremost.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't like that because you know, especially within the family, though. There's so many people out here in the world looking to do that to us. There's always people not not me specifically, but just people in general. There's always somebody out here looking to tear us down. So. When you're within your own family, you should always be expecting your family members to be building you up. That's what I think. I don't even I'm not even that jokey with 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 stuff like, you know, like I don't know, you might joke about somebody being fat or joke about somebody uh being dumb. I don't like to do it because mm-hmm. I don't like to put that kind of curse on my family because I I, I want to build them up. My, my, my kids will have to go out into the world at some point uh, and, and deal with this and that and this and that. But when they come home, it should be a total support system where we're just building each other up. Now, we can laugh and joke with each other, but I just have seen it. I've seen it in my own life, and I've seen it in other families where, you know, they say things um, that, that in a joking way, but I'm like, is there truth behind it do you have malicious intent you know
1: yeah i think it's it's dangerous in two ways because it's it it's words have power so even if you are supposedly saying them as a joke it just teaches you to to think and see those things in yourself when other people joke about it but then also i think if the family gets in the habit of of saying those humorous insults it's a way to kind of deflect from true intimacy too so yeah. you even kind of just stop being nice, even if you think you're just being playful mean.
0: Yeah, I mean, I noticed it, you know, and I'm. this is nothing against my dad because, um, you know, I think it's really hard with a blended family when you marry someone with kids. And, But I would w- watch some of the home videos and my dad would always make jokes at the older brother. You know, and my dad was always laughing. Usually most of us were laughing, but when you watch it in hindsight and you're able to go back and you just see it on a highlight reel of home videos, it just seems like, wow, you're really tearing him down, even though you may not be meaning to tear him down. You're just trying to be funny with him because, you know, you view him as the older, stronger brother. Uh, so maybe you're even just trying to bring him down to the, cause me and my other stepbrother were about the same age, but I just think that must've had some type of impact on him throughout his life to just have his, cause he had his own dad, but his fatherly figure in his life to do that to him. And I just
1: yeah. And why not just actually build a person up? and Teach them. No, don't even joke about those things. I mean, yeah, when we first got together, I would be like, I'm crazy. Or even to this day, I'll say things like, well, I can't do anything right. I don't know how to do anything. And you'll say, no, you do know how to do a lot. And no, you are smart. You'll actually correct me. Yes. You know, and it's it's a little jarring when when you do it, because I'm like, oh, okay, well, I wasn't really feeling bad for myself, but maybe you're right. Maybe I shouldn't even say those things and teach, you know, our daughter to say those things about like, just have a different way of talking to yourself and other people.
0: Well, um, create a good energy, you know, uh, you know, uh, in high school, I started to, you know, as I was getting older in high school, I started to feel self-conscious that I did not have The, and probably no one was judging me. This was me just judging myself, but I. I felt like I didn't have the nice clothes. I didn't have the Tommy Hilfiger. I didn't have the Nautica. I didn't have the polo. Uh, I didn't have those brands, right? So I started to dress weird, right? I had a skull t-shirt. I had flame boots. And this was my way. Now, I thought it was fun and I like dressing like that. But it was my way of being like, you know, I can't afford these. So I'm going to go the complete other direction just to almost you know like a deflection from like say I'm not self-conscious look how wild I dress I'm confident you know and so that carried on in into my adult years and I remember I was in Charleston I was talking on the phone with my brother-in-law and I said to him I said something about being weird and my brother-in-law said you always call yourself weird he goes why you call yourself weird he goes you're not weird uh quit calling yourself weird and it really stuck with me, and I stopped calling myself weird, and it helped. Mm. I mean, I moved right into a Charleston style pretty fast. Before you know it, I was khaki shorts and a polo shirt. And I was wearing button downs. I mean i was I dived right into that lifestyle, flip- flops, khaki shorts, button downs, suntan, sunglasses for a good five years, I went down that road. Now, I eventually, got into a bit of a different style, but I don't think my style is weird.
1: Yeah, you were hanging out with old money, dating women whose daddies were doctors, talking about $1,000 in a bank account, like.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And that's, that, but that's just what, that's what your psychology can do when you really reframe your whole mind. And sometimes you do need somebody outside of yourself to point out this, this doesn't help you. Right. Even if you think it's nothing or you see other people's talking to themselves like this and talking to other people like this, don't do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can just see, uh, you know, people calling their own kids dumb or, 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 you know, there's this one kid in our neighborhood He's always playing out there. And I've heard him say a couple of times, I'm small for my age. Yeah. I'm small for my age. And it's like, somebody's told you you're small for your age. Mm-hmm. You're, you're the size that you're supposed to be. You're not small for anything, but somebody's told you you're small for your age. And now that's eating you up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you go ahead and tell people you're small for your age so that they don't call you small. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I can't be out here you know, correcting all the kids. I don't want them going back to their parents and telling they're telling them, well, the, the comedian down the street said that I'm just who I'm supposed to be. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah but you could yeah i i agree because it's like when you hear kids saying stuff it's so you you just see ooh, okay but then it's not your kid so you do, you don't want to get so emotional or whatever invested in the kid but you do want to kind of try to say something to uplift them so i try to just say something subtle like yeah i've heard that that boy say that before and i'll just say that's fine that's just fine yeah you're fine you know, just something like that, like not be like, oh, okay, yeah, that's too bad, or like even try to give him false hope, like, well, maybe you'll get taller, you know,
0: like just say, oh, okay, like yeah, that's fine, because maybe he will, but maybe he won't, right? You right. know, and it doesn't matter, no. It doesn't matter. People get so wrapped up in it. I mean, like there are, and, and I'm not even just coming at, at women here, but there, there are women that will post on their uh, you know, Tinder profiles. I've heard this. They'll say, if you're not, not six fu- foot, swipe left or whatever. I don't even know the direction, but basically don't swipe yes to me if you're under six foot. Right. And it's like, um, how many of those women that do that end up you know, in a spot where they're like, wow, I really wish I had a good man.
1: Well, I, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, if you know what you're you, what you're attracted to, it's not I'm not trying to say be attracted to something else. But um,
0: don't close all no, doors. Absolutely.
1: Well, women are like that with with guys with uh, bald, bald guys and, and guys that don't have what they deem like the right kind of hair. And I've had uh, girls have a hard stance on guys with. Um, receding hairline or no no hair and but you know they're also been single for ten years so well, I'm that's just what like I mean. okay well it's,
0: you know men have their own things too right um, we all do yeah and then they'll end up single for a long time but you know I just think that when people they just they just will make these hard stances about things and it just it, it puts them you know in a bad place it's it just like,
1: seems so mean too I mean you see this kind of well, what you culture be- of men that are bald always wearing a hat like oh it makes me feel so bad.
0: Well, it's like just feel
1: bad that they they they, they got to hide it. It's like it's fine,
0: but it's just like you know you 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 know you 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 should always you know you should have standards that you're looking for, but moral standards, right? Um, you know, and just be open to all possibilities. Yeah, that's what I say.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Mm-hmm.
0: I did have some emails I wanted to address. My my friend Greg uh, sent me an email again about uh, about law and stuff like that, and I wanted to address it, but I don't have the email right now, so I, I, uh, I can't. I want to read it. It's the same old stuff that we've been talking about the whole time I've been talking about the Bible on this podcast, but it's uh, – Uh, I mean, it's the exact same conversation over and over again. Even I've had it with Greg several times.
1: You do have other thoughts on your faith and Jesus (laughs) and God than the law. And I've told you this. I'm like, why don't we like we don't always have to just talk about the law and even people who believe like us i'm like you guys are never just talking about the law and trying to get people into the law but you are you're you're somewhat fixated on it
0: i am i'm quite fixated on it but you know uh-huh. I, I did watch a little video on, on on peter i've been reading uh what is it uh, all about saul uh the king Mm -hmm. Uh, I forget what book it is. I just keep opening Samuel. Samuel, okay, First Samuel. Yeah, I've been reading First Samuel. That's a lot of fun. That's a very interesting book.
1: Yeah, Samuel's good. Shout Uh, out to Hannah. Yeah,
0: Hannah, the mom of Samuel. Samuel. Yeah. But I uh, I watched a video on Peter, and uh, it's pretty interesting. uh, But I just thought about this one scene that I saw, and Peter's hanging with Jesus, and. You know, well, Peter had uh, said to Jesus, he said, I will not deny you or whatever. And Jesus said, you'll deny me three times before the cock crows this evening or whatever. So when they come to take Jesus, Peter pulls out a sword and cuts off the ear of one of those men that try to take Jesus. I mean, that's pretty proficient with a sword. I don't think we really think about how good that is. And then Um, Jesus rebukes Peter, picks up the guard's ear, heals his ear. I'm picturing he puts it back up to the side of his head and it reattaches itself. Like
1: a puzzle piece.
0: I mean, it is wild to think about that. And then they take Jesus away. They whisk him away. And then the crowds start to gather. And Peter in that moment has seen the guy that he's, you know, thought would be the conquering king and would help the Jews take back Israel or whatever uh, has now been swept away by guards. And people were like, this guy was with him. This guy was with him. He goes, oh, I wasn't with him. And then he denied him three times. And then the rooster crows. And then he's like, uh, you know, he really feels the weight of his guilt. And I just think that's wild. I mean, and then, you know, Jesus reveals himself later to to Peter and all is forgiven and everything is wonderful and great.
1: Well, you got to think his disciples once Jesus starts talking about I'm about to leave, I'm about to go away, but I'm going to come back. They're like, "What are you talking about?"
0: Well, yeah, exactly. Like they just
1: don't even understand what he's talking about and there's no way for them to understand it until he's already died, the trauma of seeing Jesus die and then any guilt they have associated with, you know, how all that went down for each one of them. And then, you know, waiting three days in the catacomb or whatever, people coming in and out, you know, and then he disappears. But then he comes, like, it's just, and then it's probably still even more confusing and kind of scary, honestly. Uh, You know, so none of it makes sense until after, and then they have to, like, re-remember, oh, yeah, Jesus said this about this, yeah.
0: Well, and that that is how I know that Jesus did not make all food clean because Peter, here we
1: go with a way to circle back into well, this fixation.
0: Peter later is on the rooftop when he has the vision and he says, not so, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean or common. And if Jesus had made it clean, then Peter would have known Peter spent a lot of time with Jesus. Peter would have known. So it did not happen through Jesus.
1: All right, I'm going to let you um,
0: All right, well, well we, we're going to have, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Our baby's crying. Uh, we don't, we still don't have a door to our studio. So we put her down to nap and then we just been talking straight at her door for, <laughs> for an hour. But this has been great. I appreciate you guys listening. We're having a good time. <laughs>